Next, I want to read a few more words from the Bible. Now, these words come from the Gospel of John. They're written by someone who knew Jesus personally. In fact, the Gospels indicate to us that John really was Jesus' best friend. He's sometimes known as the one whom Jesus loved. There was a, he was as close to Jesus as anybody ever was. And this is what John, the Apostle John, had to say of Jesus. Reading from the beginning of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the one who is called the Word, by which he meant Jesus. And the Word was with God and was truly God. From the very beginning, the word was with God. And with this word, God created all things. Nothing was made without the word. Everything that was created received its life from him, and his life gave light to everyone. The light keeps shining in the dark, and darkness has never put it out. The true light that shines on everyone was coming into the world. The word was in the world, but no one knew him, though God had made the world with his word. He came into his own world, but his own nation didn't welcome him. And yet some people accepted him and put their faith in him. So he gave them the right to be the children of God. They were not God's children by nature or because of any human desires. God himself was the one who made them his children. Going to pull out from these words of John three key phrases about light. The first of those is his life gave light. His life gave light. In these verses, John tells us that to meet Jesus had been for him like having a light in the darkness. John who walked with Jesus, who saw him, who heard him, who touched him, saw that for Jesus, Jesus being alive was not like our being alive. There was a greater sort of life in Christ than there is in the rest of us. It's like he was more real than you and me. You see, our life was given to us. We don't have power to make ourselves, to bring ourselves into existence. But Jesus had life in himself. He was more real and had a greater life. He was the root, the source, the origin of all the life that we know. John walked with him, and it took a while to understand this extraordinary man, Jesus Christ. What was it that was different about him? John said he had a life that gave light to everyone. See, you and I could die. Actually, we will. (laughs) 
one day die and cease to live. But Jesus had a very different relationship with death. The Gospels tell us that death couldn't hold him. On the third day after dying, he rose again. It sounds perhaps fanciful to think of someone rising from the dead, the sort of thing that gullible, uneducated people believed in ancient times. And yet, John and Jesus' other friends, they were just as skeptical as you and me as they lived through those events. They were just as skeptical and found it unbelievable until they met him, risen from the grave. And through the centuries, there have been many others who have been skeptical about the uniqueness of this Jesus Christ and of the life that's in him, until they too met him in a spiritual experience of receiving the Holy Spirit. And there are countless millions down through the centuries who would say that they have found life in him. They received his Holy Spirit, and it was like emerging from the womb into the light of day and taking breath for the very first time. Jesus himself described it as being born again to meet with him and to receive his life. And so we read here, Jesus came with his life to give light to others, to share with others what it was that he had, this extraordinary life, this life of a different kind, an abundant and eternal life that could never be snuffed out. Jesus came to share that, to give it away, that people like you and me might change our relationship with death itself, that it would not hold us any more than it held him. His life gave light. Here's a second thing about light and darkness. The light shines in the darkness. It goes on to say that that darkness cannot grasp the light. So where is that darkness? What is that darkness? Just speaking of what it is that is wrong with the world, and we started right at the beginning with Elise reading from the book of Isaiah about suffering and oppression and difficulty. What is it that's wrong with the world? How will things be made better? Well, we might imagine that the chaos and the darkness that we see in the world is somehow written into the very fabric of the universe some eternal struggle between light and dark, in which case the darkness would always be with us, would never go away. But here, John writes a better word because of what he saw in Jesus. He was able to say the light shines in the darkness and the light overcomes the darkness. The darkness can't get hold of it, can't grasp it, cannot resist it. There is a better future because the light that John saw in Jesus shone and overcame darkness whenever people in sickness or oppressed or confused, broken or in shame met with Jesus. His light shone and dealt with their limits, 
their sickness, their oppression, and Jesus again and again and again said, I forgive you. I forgive you. There is newness and freedom. We might also perhaps imagine that darkness is to be understood simply as ignorance, that light comes in the form of knowledge, and that if only we knew more, then we would have a sunny future, that a better education system is the route to a better, brighter future. But like many of you, I've been both to places like Blackbird Lees, which have a reputation for poor education, and I've been to Oxford University, only a couple of miles apart, and I could not say that the university has a monopoly on goodness. Because it doesn't. What John saw was that different people responded to the light that was in Jesus in different ways. You see, being with Jesus sounds lovely, having light to shine. But being with Jesus was like living in a spotlight. His presence, his words, his actions showed things up in others. And so many people found that being with Jesus was an uncomfortable thing, just as standing in a spotlight exposes us. And it's uncomfortable because the darkness of this world is not only out there in others to be dealt with or somehow in the fabric of the universe, but the darkness, if we're honest, is also in us. And so we have a love-hate relationship with the light, We want it. We want there to be freedom and truth and goodness. John, a couple of chapters later in his book, says, Light came into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. A couple of months ago, I was sat having lunch with a retired chief superintendent from the Greater Manchester area, um, chief superintendent of the police. We were talking about a mutual friend who'd started a charity to see women who had been caught up in uh, in sex slavery found and set free. And he said to me, this chief superintendent, retired, said, he said, I didn't know this was going on in our society. And then he was amazed that a Christian charity had been the people that had brought it to light and seen it begun to be dealt with. And then his company was providing the security and the surveillance and so on to see things through. He said to me, he said, it's very unpopular to say it, but from my time as a policeman, I need to say, there is a wickedness in humanity. It wasn't a Christian, quite clearly not, in fact, and would want to be very clear about that. He said, there is a wickedness in humanity, and we do well to say it as it is. He was a wonderful working-class northerner who clearly enjoyed saying it as it is. Maybe in our less grounded southern sophistication, those of us that might claim that, we avoid saying things as they are. 
But people who came to Jesus loved the light that he brought, and they found him profoundly uncomfortable at the same time. See, the light of Christ shines to two purposes. The first is to expose anything that is wicked in us, but then also to destroy anything that is wicked in us. We might hesitate with the first of those, the exposure, the honesty, the humility that it requires. But Jesus' goal in that is not to humiliate or to shame, but to cleanse. And so comes the new life through the light shining. The light shines in the darkness. And I've been a pastor long enough to know that there's all kinds of different things that between us we'll be thinking as I say those words. Some people for whom these words are the beginnings of that feeling of profound awkwardness that the light of Christ brings and wrestling with whether or not to pursue that awkward feeling. I want to encourage you, if you're beginning to feel awkward, don't just look forward to rushing away, but ask yourself, what is it in me? And may light shine upon it that I would understand and that these things might be resolved. There'll be others, maybe just a few, who are thinking, well, if he knew what I'd done wrong, he wouldn't be so glib. Um, And as I learned to say from my friend Vaughan Roberts, who's the rector at St. Ebbs, he said, you know, if you knew what was wrong with me, you know, you wouldn't want to sit and listen to me pontificating about morality. And if I knew what was wrong with you, I wouldn't want to talk to you. There's a need to be honest. Hmm. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thirdly, uh, we'll click on in a moment. Thirdly, I want to pull out that what John saw of people's diverse responses to Jesus. John said, as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Again, there's more about this in chapter 3 of this same book that John wrote, where he said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So I just said, God's goal is not to bring about shame, but to do people good, to save us. If there's something to be saved from, what is it? What is the danger? Well, the danger is that simply that we would remain in darkness, that we would remain in darkness forever. And the question that highlights this danger to us is, if we were to die today, are we certain that we'd spend eternity with God in his light? If not, then there's the danger. And the light of Jesus deals with that danger. The truth is that God loves you and he wants you. And there's an invitation to come to this light and to receive life. If we turn towards this light, there's, a, there's this wonderful cleansing and newness. So much newness that Jesus himself called it, as I said, being born again. And you know, when you're born, you're not only born as an individual, but you're born into a family. 
As soon as you're born, you have relationships. And the same is true for people who are born renewed in Christ's light. You're born as a child of God, born into his family. One of the encouragements that Katie's told me about for the church in Bosnia has been the story of the Reformation 500 years ago, which has perhaps passed us by a little bit here. But for Christians feeling themselves to be alone, to realize that there was a European movement of which they are the descendants, and that they are not alone, but there is a great big family of which they're part, that comes with being born again. John saw that some people took Jesus up on this offer, but many did not. And in another of his books, John records other words of Jesus that speak right to this issue. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You may be unsure how you feel about God, but I can tell you for a certainty that God wants to be with you. He wants to be close, and he wants to be in a relationship with you. This picture uh, here in the city, Holman Hunt's picture of Jesus knocking at the door, hung in Keeble College. There he is, the light of the world, and knocking Maybe you have been aware for some time of this invitation to a relationship with God. Maybe you would even say, I think I've heard some kind of knocking on the door of my soul. And maybe this morning you know that for you it's time to take up that invitation. If that's the case, in a moment I'm going to say a simple prayer and invite you to pray it with me. There may well be others here this morning who are not in that place, but perhaps are intrigued by John's words, intrigued by this Christmas story somehow coming alive and afresh in a new way. And if that's the case, I do want to encourage you to get along to an Alpha course. Uh, It's something that we run here as a church. We tend not to do it in a big, big group, but rather more informally uh, as people ask to do it. Small groups of people Drinks, nibbles, video, chance to talk. Uh, Films are each about 30 minutes long, looking at different questions around faith. And they're designed to create conversation in which people can learn from each other. The subjects are things like, how can we have faith? Why and how do we pray? What does it mean for God to guide us? There's no obligation, if you come to an Alpha course, to say anything at all. And on the other hand, there's nothing that you can't say. And I want to commend that to you as a way that has worked for now for tens of millions of people around the world to explore what faith might mean for them, particularly faith in Christ. If you're interested in the Alpha Course, please, if you've come today with someone who's a member of the church, talk to them and they'll find out when when a course is next starting. If you don't have anyone that you know personally to talk to, head to the table with a red cloth at the back and make your interest known. But for now, I want to finish simply by praying a prayer. A prayer for those who want to invite Jesus in. And if this is the prayer that you want to pray, whether for the first time or for the hundredth time or for the thousandth time, then um, 
pray along with me and say your amen. Jesus, thank you for going on that greatest journey. Thank you for coming that I might have life in fullness. I ask you now to come into my life, to shine your light, and to make things how you want them to be. Thank you that you died and rose again and have power to forgive. I ask you to forgive me where I failed you and others and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would join me into the spiritual family that is the home of all who have been 